Welcome to today's episode of Fire in the Belly. This is where we get to hear some pretty inspiring stories from some amazing people. You know, it's always an absolute pleasure to sit down, take time out and have a warts and all conversation about their journey. I'm always intrigued by what it's taken for people to get to where they are today. And hopefully in this interview, we get to hear some more about that. From this, my mission is to help people to find their own fire in their belly. And from that, to live the mightiest version of you. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy today's guest. Success is a process, not an event. Hello and welcome to Fire in the Belly. Today we'll have myself, Mighty Pete, and we are joined by the Eileen Robertson Harm Harmer? Hamra. Hamra. There we go. Beautiful. Welcome to the show. It's great to have you on, Eileen. Thank you for coming on. Oh, thanks for having me. This is always great. It's great to meet new people. So just to give everyone a bit of a background. So Eileen is what's been described as an impact investor, a yogi, a speaker, and author of a new memoir, Time to Fly by Simon & Schuster. The story of how one woman chose to view the tragedy of her husband's death as an opportunity to strengthen the bond with her children and to wake up to her life's purpose. It's a one woman... One woman's high-flying and turbulent journey to taking full possession of her potential and breaking beyond what she thought she could and would do. Welcome to the show. There we go. I'm looking forward to this. Thank you very much for coming on. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So tell us, first of all, where are you calling us from today? So I am right now in Springfield, Missouri in in the United States. Mm. Yeah. So sunny, beautiful day. Like almost like spring, yeah. Wonderful. And who is Eileen? Then tell us. Who who am I? Um, I'll start with a small question, right? Yeah, that's yeah. Okay, that's like there's a whole book I wrote about like just a part of that. Um, Yeah, that's a hard uh, question to answer, but um, yeah. Well, I who I am is like passionate about uh, serving people um, being a contribution to people. Um, yeah, I don't know. And I'm a lot of other things. I have a lot of, you know, a mom, I'm a wife, I'm a, you know, all the things. So. Is it fair to say it's been a bit of an evolution for you? I mean, things have changed and evolved and are you constantly growing? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's actually one of the reasons I um, wrote the book was because just to share and reflect on that journey of reinventing myself. And, and, you know, I'm I'm 51 now, uh, not like I'm that old, but I, um, multiple iterations of evolution of, of myself. Mm. Yeah. So hard to pinpoint. That's funny. It's a, it's like, in the past, I would have said, oh, I'm a mom, I'm a wife, I'm an impact investor, I'm a yogi. I like, I would have like named myself. And then when now when you say, who are you? It's like, I'm, I'm that and and part of the universe. I don't know, like it's it's like a more philosophical question now for me than, than it used to be. Beautiful, right? So you just, you know, it is just that. I'm not a label, I just am, right? So you're, you're just a, you know, you're being, are you being the best version of you? Yeah. And it's funny when you even say that, I was like, well, I'll step into that. Right. Cause that is not like, am I being the best? That's a choice moment by moment. And maybe like, before you ask that, I wasn't even present to it, but when you ask that I could step into it and be like, yes. Okay. I am the best version mm-hmm. of myself right now. Yeah. Oh, 
So tell us what what's an impact investor then? Take us take us through that for us. Yeah. So um, so basically, it just means um, you know investing in um, companies or funds or things that you believe make a difference in the world and the areas that are important to you. So uh, what's important to me among many things, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm passionate about the planet. And part of that is carrying on the legacy of my late husband, Brian, who was a, an entrepreneur in the solar energy industry. So we have investments and things like that, that, um, uh, green energy, renewable energy. Um, I'm, I'm personally also passionate about food and family and the impact that, um, food and health and well-being have on humanity. So um, just being more intentional about investing. So I'm an angel investor. I've you know done some small investments as well as large investments. So yeah, impact just just a little bit more consciousness behind your general you know investor. So, yeah. Yeah. And tell me what is what does fire in the belly mean to you? Yeah. So fire in the belly means to me, like what, what gets you up in the morning, right? Like what is the, the, it's like the drive or the, the fire, funny, it's like the fire, the inspiration, right. The, um, that has you take action, even if you don't want to, um, yeah, it's the, it's the thing you can't let go of. It's a thing that like you have to do, like, even if you don't want to do and it, funny enough, this, this is part of it. The book was definitely part of it. Cause it, w- it just wouldn't let me go. I was like, I said, I would do it. it. Took me seven years to do it, but it wouldn't let me go. There was something, you know, it was, it was fire in my belly, but it was like, almost like I, it, it was something that was coming to me that I could not, not do. So that's like a snippet of what fire in the belly means to me. <laughs> and, and do you have it? Do you always have it? Um, I would say it's always there. Am I always like paying attention? No. <laughs> you know, am I always, uh, you know, present to it? No. But yeah, I think there's always something in the background that is calling for us to act or, or be, um, yeah. And mm. so. um, just out of interest, I mean, because obviously you, you, you know, there's a lot's gone on in your life and, and, you know, you sort of, you, you talked about it a bit there now, but I mean, do, at this point in time, do you consider yourself to be where you're supposed to be? Yes, because this is where I am. <laughs> um, it's really funny when, it, you know, one of the things I have to say is like, one of the things that causes causes a lot of pain and anguish and and struggling and all of that is like arguing with reality. It's like, um, it's funny. It seems like that's a a question that there might be more than one answer to, but of course you are where you're, (laughs) you are where you are. So therefore you are where you're supposed to be. You can't even be anywhere else. So yes. Um, Anyway, yeah. So that's how I. That's. I mean, it's it's relatively refreshing because so many people aren't. They're sort of like going, "Oh, well, I should be this, or I could have done that, or if this hadn't happened, then I'd be somewhere else, right?" You know, and and is this? Have you always felt this way, or is this this been a process for you? 
Yeah, I think it's definitely been a process for me to um, to basically accept what is um, and and be there because yeah, what life brings to you or what life ex- your experiences in life aren't always what you choose or want or um, not what you dreamed, you know, not what you intended. Even if you're like a master manifester, you know, whatever. Like it's not necessarily what you thought it would look like. And for me finding a lot of power and, um, and peace in accepting what is, and then going from there, because yes, you know, are there things that I wish I hadn't done if I could go back in time? Sure. Probably. But, um, I can't, right. That's not possible. (laughs) So here I am. And now what? Right. What am I creating now? Mm. No, it's so beautiful. Well, talk, talk to us about the book. I mean, so you're saying it's been like a seven year process to actually get the book out. Talk to us. I mean, why the book and, and what was your intention? Yeah. So, um, so just a little backstory. So my, the book t- is a journey to, I take you on my journey from, um, December, 22nd, 2011, when my husband's plane, unfortunately, um, crashed two miles from the airport three days before Christmas. And I had three little children who were four, seven, and eight at the time. And, um, all the way that journey all the way through, uh, finding new love, opening myself up to that, all that it took to do that, which was something and, um, you know, creating new family with him and, and, and adding to our family kind of at a late age. Cause I was 46 when I had my last uh, baby with Mike. Um, so, and the book, it was funny. You say like something that it was fire in the belly, but so I would share stories about what was happening after Brian passed. And there were definitely some spiritual and weird, miraculous, like you can't even explain things that were happening or, um, to me, at least it occurred that way. And I would share and people would say to me, Oh, you gotta write a book. You gotta write a book. You gotta write a book. And I have my MBA in finance. Like I love spreadsheets. I like numbers. I'm like, I never envisioned myself, nor did I want to write a book. Um, that was not my dream. I actually, it's funny. I was telling someone yesterday, I was like, the only class I really hated in high school was like English. So, but I kept hearing, Oh, you got to write a book. You got to write a book. And I heard it enough. And finally I was like, fine, I'm going to write a book. Um, and I just said it. And so I started, um, collecting stories and, it just took forever because a couple reasons. One, and I didn't know this at the time, but I actually had to live, live the story that was going to be in the book. Um, and I also didn't know why I was writing the book. I was like, I don't, I'm not a grief expert. Like, well, I'm not going to write a one, two, three, grief with me. Like what I'm like, why, who cares about my story? Like everybody's got a story. <laughs> you know, I makes my stories not that special. Um, I mean, I just went around and around and around and around. And yet 
people would ask me, Oh, how's that book coming? And I'm like, uh, I'm going to get to it. I'm going to get to it. And, um, it honestly wouldn't let me go. And it, there's a little, uh, maybe old, old, uh, like don't want to be embarrassed too. Cause at one point I had told enough people that I was going to write a book that I would like be too embarrassed not to write the book. <laughs> so then I was like, okay. Um, although, I mean, if I really wasn't going to do it, I could have just said, you know, I'm never going to do this, but fast forward, um, I was actually pregnant with, um, our now baby Zach. Um, and it finally clicked. I was like, Oh my God, this is the story that's supposed to be in the book. And until that moment, I actually had never asked Mike, if he wanted to be in the book, I thought the book was about my relationship with Brian and my transformation. And I had never asked Mike who's alive to be in the book. And so I asked him and he was like, sure. And I was like, well, you know, we have this fairy tale story, but as good fairy tales are, it wasn't, it wasn't perfect. And I was like, I need to be able to be authentic and I need to be able to share what, how it really was. And, um, are you okay with all of that? And he was like, yeah. So, and then it was, it was like, turned up the fire in the belly. Then there was no stopping me. Then it was 18 months from then it was done. So yeah, seven years, but the last 18 months were like serious work. Yeah. Did you enjoy the process? I mean, you, you sort of, for some, for someone that didn't like English to actually produce a book, there's, there's an obvious irony there. Right. But, you know, and going from a logically brained finance background, et cetera. So are you, yeah. are you a convert? <laughs> you- um, oh, yes. And I'm a convert with a, with a, um, with the therapist and, and the woman, and she, I hired someone to really help me because, um, it is a different skill set to write a whole book. And like, to your point, very logically oriented, like, where are we going with this? It's like, and the, it's messy. Like writing a book is really messy and you write and, um, you write stories and you, you write things about, um, what's happening and reflections. And it's kind of like, you just threw a puzzle down onto a table and like, you know, all the pieces are there, but you don't, you don't even have the box to like, (laughs) like give you the picture about like what it's actually going to look like. Like you think, you know, what kind of puzzle you're building. Um, but it, but it was, what's actually really cool about the process of it was like, I really did trust that it would emerge. Um, like, cause I don't know, like that feeling of like, you know, when you hit it, right. Like, you know, when, when the story's the story and you know, when it's the, the reflection, you know, the words, it's just interesting. Um, and I knew that in life. So writing the book kind of, uh, followed that sort of model. Uh, although it was very, um, it did take me outside of my comfort zone, uh, in a good way, in a really good way. So yes, I am a convert. <laughs> I mean, was it quite therapeutic overall? I mean, to, to actually, to, you know, to go back, obviously it can be challenging at many times, but also it, it gives a bit of closure. I mean, is that the case here? Absolutely. Yeah. I, and I didn't, I mean, I sort of expected that, but I didn't actually expect it to the degree in which it actually was therapeutic. And at one point, 
when I discovered that, that it was very therapeutic, I actually was like, if I am writing this as like my therapy project (laughs) and that's all this is, it actually will be worth it. Um, absolutely. And, um, yeah. And I think what was really interesting, you know, was when you did, when I did have to go back and imagine what it was like when, these different moments in time, like what it was like for myself when I went to the, to the airport and what it was to pick him up and to find out that his plane had crashed and waiting and waiting and waiting to find out, did he survive? And then having to drive home and walk in with the Christmas tree and tell my three little kids that their dad had died. And, you know, all of these moments that were not, fun to think about, not ones I wanted to revisit. Um, and you know, I actually got, I had way more compassion for myself because I'm one of those people that's like, okay, let's move on. Like we did that. Like we're okay now we're all a lot, you know, like we're going to make it. Um, but that was a lot. And so there was a lot of compassion. And I think even it's like, you know, when someone passes and, there's a lot of family and everyone's emotions. And, and also, uh, you know, Brian was not just mine, right. He was my husband, but he was my children's father. And he was, you know, my in-laws son and my sister-in-law's brother and my sister and brother's brother-in-law and, you know, his fraternity brothers and his colleagues and his childhood friends. And there was like, you know, I lost Brian, but so many people, um, lost him and to really, um, appreciate, like I had a perspective, but there was all these other perspectives, um, that were not mine, which were, were fine. And it's like, sometimes those perspectives, right. Like clash and we're not, we're not, um, present to like, well, you're not experiencing the same thing I'm experiencing. And why are you being your way? And I'm being my way. And shouldn't you be like me? And (laughs) you shouldn't say that. And, you know, or it shouldn't be this way or whatever. And it's like, we're all living. We've all lost Brian, but we've all definitely lost different people. Um, and writing and reflecting and all of those things. And many, 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 many more, um, you know, we're just, yeah, solidified or, um, appreciated more than when I first went through it. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's such a, it's a genuine tragedy, right? You know, I mean, for it to happen and, and the method and, you know, the grieving process for you, can you, can you explain how that was for you and, and how the process went? How it went. Yeah. So, um, what's interesting, it's so funny. Cause like, and I love that you asked it like that. Cause it's like there, it's, it is a process, but it's, it is like, um, I don't want to say like it's ongoing, but people expect, right. Like, this five stages of grief or the meaning making or like the Kubler-Ross methodology, like there's books and there's um, seminars and there is a lot of intelligence and, and research and all of that of like what happens to the body and 
you know, my body definitely was in shock, you know, like you're, uh, amygdala does go into overdrive and you are in fight or flight and there is an adrenaline rush. And, um, so that was all part of the process. And there were lots of tears and lots of like, uh, like, I can't even believe this is my life. I'm like, this was not I, I, like, how did that happen? Like I'm 41. I've, we, we were happy. Like, this is not my future. Like who wrote this story? <laughs> you know, like the shock of it all, the acceptance of it all, the, and now what, you know, recreating myself and all of that. So like, that was all part of it. But what I think I'd like to share that often people don't talk about is, and I appreciate this now and actually appreciate this a lot now. And, uh, is that it, it, grief or processing keeps happening. And that's a good thing. People think, Oh, I don't, uh, you know, let's just get over this. And it's like, no, actually, it's actually a beautiful process to like continue to incorporate his memory into the present day moment. And maybe I wouldn't be as aware of that if I didn't have kids, because I'm watching my kids who were four, seven, and eight who lost their dad as a four, seven, and eight year old. But then when they were all, you know, a little bit older, they lost, they actually lost somebody new They, like, as an eight-year-old, you know, or a, now a teenager. And now I have a young adult, Melanie's almost 19 and Brooke's almost 18. And they're now quote, grieving and losing their father in a new way. They're like, I wish I could ask him a question you know, now I'm becoming adult. Now I want to know who Brian was as a daddy or, you know, dad or whatever, like as an adult where they didn't know that when they were seven or eight and never having that opportunity and never being able to ask him those questions live, that's more grief, right? So how do we then, or how do I, how do we as a family um, continue to carry on that legacy and remember him and um, tell stories and all of that. So I, I don't know if that was like particularly clear <laughs> what I was trying to share, but it's like, it's a process, but it's like, it keeps going. So, um, yeah. Can I ask, I mean, how, how have you reconciled it to this point, you know, in terms of, you know, balancing it with the universe? Because it's going to be a why, why Brian, why not somebody else? Yeah. Why, you know, uh, do you have an answer as such that you can live with and you can get okay with? Um, yes, I absolutely do. The some that I've come to peace with myself, and part of it is reflective in what I shared before. It was sort of like, it is what it is. Like I cannot change it, right? So I could fight it. I could um, resist it. I could tell myself the story, like it shouldn't be that way. And, um, I'm not, th that's one way to do it. <laughs> um, and I, you know, but that's not my journey because I, to me, that caused a lot of pain. I was like, and I'm not interested in being in a lot of pain. <laughs> um, so I was like, okay, so this is what's so, and now what, and I do think, you know, it's so interesting. And I, 
for myself thinking like, you know, the conversations we have about death and how we feel about death and what, how we view it. Like we're all going to do it. (laughs) We're all going to die. And, um, we pretend like that's not true. And we pretend like there's, um, you know, like there's like rules around it. I mean, in general humanity or like evolution or the universe like has general, like, yeah, you grow, you're a baby, grow to an adult, you get old and you die. Like, but not, that's not how it all, most people in every single family have people that that's not the story. (laughs) So, um, I think, you know, I don't know. Yes. I, I have come to accept it. And, um, I think part of it is a message that, and, and learning that, you know, this is life. That was very, um, present. That's actually why it's called time to fly is that, uh, this is life and you don't know, you, you know, we could go out and get hit by a car or, uh, find out tomorrow that we've got a terminal illness or be struck by lightning or who knows how we're going to go. Right. We don't know. We, we act and we, you know, we're not going to go around worried about it all the time, but we don't know. And therefore this is our one life. As far as we know, (laughs) um, what are we going to do with it? You know, or at least the same iteration as Eileen Roberts. Well, Eileen McGuire, Roberts and Hamra, like this is my, this is this life, right. That I'm living in this body. I'm not quite sure exactly what happens before or after I have ideas, but like, we'll find out for sure. Maybe I guess at one point, um, but time to fly now, right? Like who am I here for now? What's the fire in the belly now? And stepping into that. And, um, yeah, so a little convoluted, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's to be, I mean, that's huge though, isn't it? Just to be in the now, to be present, you know, because it is so appetizing to live in the past or the future, you know, ifs, shoulds, coulds, woulds, maybe, is that going to happen? Could, right. And it's, it's a real, and I think this is a lesson for anyone here massively. It, it's, you know, we can get wrapped up and, and over what's happened, but as you say, it, it's happened full stop. You know, that is a fact, you know, but then we can get, you know, we can drown by our own story. We can drown by the, you know, what's going to happen. Right. So I just find it very refreshing that you, you are quite reflective even in that. Um, what was really interesting, actually, and I, sh- I even said this in the book at some point, I just said in, in the beginning, I actually had for exactly what you just said, I actually had to stay in the moment because for me going back or going forward was too much. I was like, if I start thinking about the past, I am going to lose it. And if I go start thinking about the future without him, I am going to lose it. So all I can do is be right here. And what this was such a, I don't even know, probably my yoga practice or probably, I don't even know. Maybe I heard that some one day is like, be here, like, or I just was following my instinct. Um, but what I noticed in those moments was what was actually present for me was so much love. 
it was crazy. It was people reaching out, um, every human being, no matter even what they said, even if they said the wrong thing, you know, they were doing it all out of love and actually out of this huge love for Brian and our families. And actually the beauty of the children, I have to say, and because kids don't even know much about the past or future when they're, you know, when they're young, they're very much in the moment, especially the four-year-old, he was four, Max was four at the time. So I would just watch them and they were like, they were still having fun, you know, like it was Christmas and they were excited that they got Christmas gifts. You know, I wanted to die. I wanted to puke. I wanted to like, I could barely move, but they're like, Santa came. And I was like, look at that. Look at that, that joy even in the midst of what's happening. So yes, being in the moment, being present in the beginning truly was a survival <laughs> mechanism for me. Um, and now it's a practice, right? Cause it's like you said, it's very appetizing <laughs> to like dream about the future that, you know, gets me out of my now <laughs> or regret, and you know, whatever, all the past that does no good, except for if it, how you act differently now. Um, yeah. So yeah, thank you for letting me expand on that. No, it's, it's, it is just fascinating. I think it's, you know, and how we, you know, how people go through it and expand. And I know, I mean, I, I, I lost my own, my, my, my mother relatively young and for a long time, the only way I could reconcile it was shit happens. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a bad way. <laughs> It literally was. I mean, for a long time, it was just like, because, you know, shoulda, coulda, woulda, you know, if, but nothing else, but it just doesn't touch the sides, right? Because you kind of go on, there's no one to blame as such, you know, there was nobody else's fault or, you know, there's all these things and it's kind of going, what do I do with all these emotions? And it's like, well, I'm just going to tag it to this for now um, and say shit happens. It's like, maybe, you know, uh, because it's, it's sometimes not healthy to look at all the other options because it, there's just, there's no useful answer. There's no useful, um, yeah, benefit to that sort of thought process, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think you, sometimes in that thought process, there's like an opportunity to forgive, right? So it's like, it maybe that's the way out, right? Or the way out of like, um, accepting and forgiving. And like you said, like shit happens, like it's like going down those, those spiraling, you know, thoughts of like, well, Oh, if we just, if, if someone had checked the engine and you know, if someone, if, 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 and it's like, and I actually have a whole little section in the book that literally talks about this. And then, and like you said, and that's what's so, and so forgiving, or letting go of an attachment or like, it shouldn't be this way or whatever, whatever. Um, so that you can, you know, live your life. And it's funny. I often say, um, it's like, our, we're still here, right? <laughs> like you and I are still here. Um, the ones that we loved or were important to us, they're not. So clearly their job on earth, earthly wise is over. And ours is not, 
because we're still here. <laughs> so what are we going to do, you know, with this one precious life, with these moments um, while we have them, mm. you know, as my kids are like, you know, like that, you know, whatever that tap thing, I was like, well, they've tapped out, man, they've tapped out and we're still in, we're in the game. <laughs> um, so let's play, let's play the game. Um, yeah. Is, is the mob? Cause I'm quite often, you know, whilst it's, it's very, okay. It's, it's understandable how people still get attached to the memories and attached to the trauma and the event and everything else. But as you say, in some ways life goes on and that's not disrespectful. It's like life does go on. And then quite often, if you spoke to somebody, you know, before they passed away and saying, for God's sake, don't, you know, don't lose your life because of mine. Yeah. You know, and that's the thing. It's like almost, you know, our partner, our loved one or somebody else would be more upset. The fact that actually this is, you're losing your life based on the loss of my life. And that's, it's like a, a double, triple, quadruple tragedy in, in many ways. Does, it, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I actually talk about some of those things that I had to deal with, like, you know, especially opening up myself to, to loving again, right? Like, what does that mean? Right? Like, and you, you, you hear on one end, like, you know, Eileen, you're 41. Um, you're young, like, you know, you'll definitely fall in love again, or you should fall in love but there was all these things that like, I was pretty attached to being Brian's wife. Like I, and this is like, you know, I don't know. It's not even embarrassing. It's just more like to what I shared. Like there was so much love. Like I got a lot of attention being a widow, right? Like, oh my gosh, this poor woman, you know, this blah, blah, blah. And that attention is nice. And I needed that attention at the time. I did. I needed that care. And I'm grateful for all the people that did step in and care for me and support me. But at some point I'm like, okay, I'm good now. But if I let go of, I'm the widow world, like, like, am I going to be special anymore? Are people going to like me? Are Brian's friends going to still care about me? That were like, you know, you know, in his little bucket of friends, like, will they, like me anymore? Well, you know, will his family care about me anymore? Like, um, yeah, like I, you know, I wanted eventually to, to fall in love again, but I did have to give up, you know, some of that or what I thought, you know, was important to me at the time, but I need, and it was funny. I was ready to let that go, but I had to go through, I had to think about it. Cause I was like, yeah. Um, you know, if I'm, if I'm creating something new and then what did it mean about my love for Brian? And it's funny, people always ask that question and how did you reconcile that? Right. And I was like, I, in this, okay. So I absolutely still love Brian. And that is what makes Mike so amazing <laughs> because he, men or partners, men, women, doesn't matter partners who step into a relationship where, where the, where the other person is a widow are incredibly special people because they really do have to hold a different kind of relationship. And, um, it's hard. It's nothing. You're like, that's not what we, you know, that's not like fairy tale. That's like, 
you know, Romeo and Juliet get married or, you know, whatever, like our stereotypical, you know, you get married when you're young and then you grow old together and have children. And like, that's the way it should be. And it's like, okay, first of all, that rarely happens (laughs) exactly like that anymore. But, um, you know, for me, I have reconciled that, like, I have a relationship with Brian. I have a relationship with him through his legacy, um, caring about carrying on what we cared about together, but also through his children. And what's so great for me, and I believe that Brian sent Mike to me and Mike will, although Mike didn't think that in the beginning, but he was like, holy cow, like, absolutely. Like, you know, there's some element of like, it's the three of us to a weird, not always, not all the time, not in all aspects, but, um, you know, it is a, it is a, you know, it's a relationship between all of us, um, Mm -hmm. which is unique and not something I would have ever dreamed or wanted or thought was possible. (laughs) So. It is, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's so unusual in many ways, but I mean, it's a, it's a credit, as you say to Mike, to actually, because you're never going to deny the, you know, you're never going to deny Brian, you're never going to deny the past. In fact, if anything, this is a process, this is part of who you are. So to deny that is to deny yourself. Absolutely. You know, you know and it's, it's, um, yeah, all the permutations that come with that. It's, it's quite, it's, it's, it's intriguing, but I mean, I, I suppose I applaud you for for actually embracing that as opposed to, you know, and I'm sure it does happen a lot where just it's either denial or we sort of get to the point and saying we just we don't talk about that anymore or vice versa. Or in your case, despite being financially log- logically brained, you said, well, actually, you've gone the other way, right? You've embraced it and, and sort of embraced it in a way that can help others. That's a legacy, right? Yeah. Um, I'm not quite sure where I learned this one either, but it's like, and I, and I fall, I don't want to say like, it's not like I am perfect at this even now or whatever, but it's like, often we, we, something is painful, right? Something is like something we do not want. It's like, there's some kind of pain or struggle or also fire maybe, (laughs) um, that we don't want to walk through. We don't want to go through it. And we don't, it's like, we'd rather, numb ourselves to it, distract ourselves from it. Um, it's like we stop right here. Like pain is right here for us to go through. And this is like the thing kind of like it sucks, but it's something I've learned. It's like, it's like, Oh, the only way to joy and full self-expression and full love is to go through it. If there were another way, you know, sign me up. But what I've learned is like, there is no other way than through it. And by through it, I mean, like processing it, acknowledging it, bringing what you need to it. Um, but yeah, so that's like, it's funny. Cause I'm, 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 I'm interested in having an amazing life (laughs) and I want an amazing life. And, um, all the things I'm given don't always look like that. But once you get through them, you're like, holy cow, I'm so grateful for that growth. And that, that is like one of those things, like is really hard to say 
because everyone's like, what the hell? Like, how could you even say that? So disrespectful, but I'm like, I'm grateful for Brian dying for my growth. Now that doesn't mean that I wish it. I'm so glad he died. (laughs) You know, that's not that it's not equivalent, but can I be grateful for the experience? Yes. And I am. Um, so that's a game changer, right? Yeah. And it's, you know, it's not, you don't have to do that, but it is a really empowering um, perspective to take on. Like, you know, that whole, I'm not the only one who says this, but it's like, it's not happening to you. It's happening for you. And it's like, wow, if all of this is happening for my growth and development, for my, my ability to experience love and myself and, and compassion, if that's what this is for, then wow. And I see that like, I, wow, you know, um, and just for me, it's like, it's just, for me, it's a better way to live. You know what I mean? Like straight up, like it just works, you know, as my dad always says, Mm. uh, you know, if it's working, keep going. If it's not working, do something different. Um, so that works for me. So, and I offer that to others and someone offered it to me. So like, I didn't make that up. Um, but it is about sharing about it. So. What have you learned? What have I learned (laughs) about what? (laughs) Just, I suppose where you are today. I mean, what's, you know, you know, what, what sort of wisdom or what insights have you taken away of how you've got to where you are today? And yeah. Yeah. So what I'm experiencing today and what I'm, some of the work I'm doing right now is, um, with some, uh, what do, how I want to say this, like with communities that have been under-resourced, right? Like, so um, we're splitting our time between Chicago, Illinois and Springfield, Missouri. And eventually we're going to move full-time down to Springfield, but whatever we have a long, it's a long story, but um, I've gotten really engaged in Chicago and really interested in uh, the dynamics about what's happening in Chicago and why, um, you know, two miles from my home is a totally different world. Right. And I have one of my best friends, Melissa and I started this company called fit together. And we started relating to each other because we were from, you know, the two different areas, but our daughters danced together. And so we started having conversations that we called them tale of two cities. And we would invite, I'd invite my friends and she'd invite her friends and we'd have a conversation like, why is it this way? Right. Like let's bring some inquiry and questioning and understanding. And until we can all get in the room and, and have conversations and care about each other, really, um, really care about each other nothing's going to shift. So that's where we started. And I'm bringing some of my health and well-being, you know, knowledge that I've gained. I'm a yoga teacher now, and I've studied holistic nutrition and life coaching skills, and I have a business background and all of that. So I'm, I'm working with, um, this, these past, this past week with a lot of, um, women who are, you know, living in a different world. And, um, 
and when I say different, different than my world, right? And so they're living in an area of Chicago that is riddled with gun violence. And this one woman I was working with has lost two of her sons to gun violence. And, um, and it's interesting because she is such a stand for herself. So this is like a self-care workshop and like, how do you care for yourself? Right. When you are, when you've experienced loss and I'm listening to her and I, I'm so both inspired by her and feel so grateful that I get to support her because I was like, holy cow, right? Like this is her life and this is what she's dealing with. And how do I support her in staying present and taking care of herself when the reality is for her, like her son was killed, you know, on the street blocks from her home. And, um, and I, 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 it's like this. So what have I learned is like, you know, what I wanted to say when I was listening to her story or more about her story, I was like, run, you should get the hell out of there. (laughs) I was like, Oh my God, like move, pack up your shit. Excuse me. Now I'll be explicit, but like pack up your stuff and get the hell out. And, um, and then I'm like, okay, uh, that's not an option for people always. And that may not be her option. I don't know. But, but then I saw that I was like, wow, but what if she were cared for where she was empowered to remain calm and where she was empowered to take care of herself, what that could do for her community. And I was like, if she's not like, like, I was using this metaphor of like swept up in the hurricane and she could somehow stay in the eye where it's nice and calm where the hurricanes like swinging around her and she stays calm that she could transform and support not only herself, but also her, her other children, her neighbors, you know, like you know, if she doesn't engage in, in the anxiety or the, the the survival in the same way. Um, and it really, it really, first of all, it was like, wow, how impressed I am that she showed up to these wellness workshops that I'm hosting and that she is, is that for herself and her community. And also like, it is possible no matter what the hell, like if this woman, can be well with all the crap that she's had handed to her and life circumstances and all of it. I was like, there is hope for all of us and there is hope for a transformed world. So, um, a one that works for everyone where everyone is taken care of. So anyway, that is what's going on for me right now. Um, and, and the communities that I'm working in and I'm, I'm learning a lot just being with them and, and I'm grateful. So yeah. On that, are you, are you driven by pain or pleasure right now? Huh? That's a good question. I don't know that. Wow. Okay. I would say probably pleasure. But what I find pleasure in 
may be painful sometimes. Like I take, I, it's not easy. Like it's not easy. It's so funny. This is maybe kind of weird. And I love that you asked that question. Cause I, I've been thinking about exercise. So like, I'm a crazy exerciser, right? Like I love to exercise. I'm like, I am that girl who was on the Pel- Peloton at five 45 this morning at for 45 minutes. Like, I don't know. Are you, you know, the Peloton, you know, the Peloton. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, like, yeah. Yeah. So like, what's so crazy about the Peloton is that I'm on a little tangent here, but there's a point I promise. But, um, so like, it's like, there's nobody watching, right? Like nobody knows that I'm on the Peloton and I, and they're, and the instructor who was recorded like days earlier (laughs) is telling me what to do. And I am like in it, like I'm in her, like I'm, I'm working and I'm, it's, it's painful. Like, it's not like it's easy, right? Like, why would I do that? (laughs) But I find a lot of joy in that experience. Um, First of all, it makes me feel better. Um, I feel stronger. Um, I'm breathing. I'm sweating. Um, And there is some camaraderie, right? Because there's a leaderboard and you're high-fiving people and like, you see the people that are like, kind of like on pace with you and you, you feel like you're with random people from all over the world, like gone out on a bike ride with people. And so, but I've been thinking about that whole idea of like physical exercise and how it's sort of a metaphor for life exercise. And it's like, we don't, I don't like think, Oh, exercise should be easy. Like, and I find a lot of pl- pleasure and, and and reward and satisfaction out of like sweating and breathing hard and quote, p- putting my muscles in pain. Um, and so I view sort of like life and work that same way. It's like, life is not always easy. Life sometimes is really hard. You have to transform the way you view things and um, you have to like, get stronger to be able to deal with something. And if anyone who's a parent like knows that it's like, Holy cow, those kids keep asking me and demanding that I'm a better person like every day. Um, even if I don't want to, but it's, it is not easy for me all the time. It's well, hardly ever. Um, but it's joyful, right? Like to go through that. So pleasure and pain, maybe. (laughs) Um, I'm not afraid of the pain anymore. Maybe is a better way to put it, or at least not always. (laughs) And, and is pressure for diamonds or how are you under pressure? Um, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's something I'm working on. Like sometimes I am like, you ask my children, they're like, mom, you are awful. And I do think with kids, with my family, that's probably the hardest place to be under pressure is because I, I go, I, I will, you know, I have a tendency to go to like, oh my God, but what if it doesn't work out and all of that? Um, oh, I, sorry. Um, so under pressure I do. I am probably one of those people though, that enjoys the pressure or, um, nothing like a deadline. (laughs) 
nothing like, um, honestly, it's like nothing like saying you're going to do something like write a book, right? Like you're like, okay, I'm going to do that. I said I would do that. And then whether I view it as pressure or not pressure, but I I'll put myself under some pressure. Like I'm, I said, I would do it. No, I don't have to, but I said I would. So I I'm going to, and that I don't always want to do what I say I'm going to do. Like even this morning, no offense, but I was like, Oh, I got to do this podcast. And I always love it. That's the ironic part of the whole thing about why (laughs) I was like, okay, I don't really want to do that. Like I didn't get a good coffee. The woman made my coffee with oat milk. I'm like, ugh, it's so gross. (laughs) And I was like, but if I turn around and go get a new one, then I'll be late anyway. So, um, that was a total tangent, but, um, (laughs) anyway, how, how are the voices in your head? How's, how's your inner chatter? Are you nice to yourself? Mostly. <laughs> Mostly. Yeah, I'm human. Yeah, I'm, I'm human. So for sure. And they're not, it's not always nice, but yes, I'm, I'm nice to myself. You get on with yourself. Okay. Do I get along with myself? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Do you, do you like to be by yourself or are you more of a crowd person? Do you, do you like company or, or solo time? I like both. I like both. I probably slightly lean towards being with people, being with, it doesn't need to be a lot of people. I like to be with people. Um, but I also do enjoy like when everybody leaves. <laughs> Like, ah, yeah. And where where would we find you in flow state? Where is a place of just where you can be or where you have most service or just most connected? With people. Yeah. In conversation. Hanging out. Um, you know, it's funny cause I, I call it work, you know, hosting, I'm going to host a retreat in Costa Rica and in May. And, um, I, you know, I'm hosting these wellness workshops for these women and, um, I'm doing this podcast and I'm, I do, you know, I want to do more book stuff now that the quote pandemic is over No, but anyway, I shouldn't joke about that, but, um, but like I call that work, but for me, when I'm in flow, it's like when I'm in conversation, when I'm with people, either just listening or sharing, you know, all of it. Yeah. What's, what's something that you're really proud of? I'm really proud that I wrote the book. I'm really proud of my family. Um, I'm really proud of the life I've created. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful way to be. What's the nicest thing somebody could say about you? The nicest thing someone could say. Um, Out of interest, how how are you with taking compliments? Are you better giving or taking or receiving, I should say? Yeah. I'm probably not great at receiving. I'm probably not great at receiving compliments. Mm -hmm. Um, 
it's funny, like when people listen to me, I'm very grateful for that. So when that is really nice, I don't know. That is something, you know, like I, I, I don't take it for granted that people are listening anyway. So I don't know if that's kind of a weird answer to that. I don't think I would answer it that way, <laughs> but, um, I appreciate, I appreciate when people listen. So I don't know. Hey, and are you a good listener? Um, yes and no, I think I could certainly expand my capacity to listen. Yeah. It's, it's not a trick question, by the way. <laughs> so. Yeah, no, I'm looking. It's funny. I look, I was really looking because I was thinking a lot of times. Yeah, I, I am a good listener and there are times where I am not, I'm not practicing that. <laughs> I'm not like, yes, yes, I am a good listener and I don't always demonstrate that skill. <laughs> um, sometimes I am not listening. <laughs> there's kids, there's life, there's busy, there's all the rest. It's very hard to be present and, and be a good listener all the time. You know, it's, uh, I don't know, that's okay. I've got three young kids and uh, yeah, there's nothing like... <laughs> tantrums of a child to knock you right out of any, <laughs> any sort of peace and calm and quiet and you just totally lose your shit you're like yeah yeah, yeah. so much for being present mm, gone hello ego here we go hello let's control this <laughs> yeah let's control this situation that occurs like it's out of control <laughs> yeah. so tell me i mean who is the book for what's what would you like the book to, to achieve now that's sort of out there and creating ripples? Um, I think the book is for anyone who has experienced any kind of uh, loss and it doesn't necessarily need to be the loss of a spouse or even the loss of a human. It could be the loss of a dream or a, um, you know, they're something that they really thought was going to happen or really wanted to happen and then was no longer possible and feel like, I don't know what's next. Um, and not even necessarily stuck, but that's just where they are. They could be stuck, but they could just be like, I don't know. I don't know. I, everything I dreamed is like no longer possible or all the things I counted on or the way I identified myself. It's like, it's like, some life circumstance, you know, came up and they're looking for what's next for themselves. Um, yeah, because I think sharing stories, well, I know sharing stories makes a difference because it was other people that shared their stories that enabled me to see what was possible for me. Right. Like, and so if I didn't have other people's stories, of like, well, how did you do it? And I, and how did you do it? And how did you do it? And how did, how did you transform? Like, how, how was your journey? Like, I'm clear that my journey is not going to be anybody else's journey because nobody else was married to Brian and blah, 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 blah. And nobody else had my background and like nobody lost. It's, it's not even important. Right. Um, 
But if people hadn't shared their stories, who knows where I would be today? So that's my, I'm sharing my story for those that want and need a story like mine to open up what's possible for them in their own stories and what they're creating. So. Well, out of interest, I mean, do you know, do you know what's possible for you in future? I mean, what are you capable of? Do you have a concept of that? I love that question. Um, what's so cool is no, I don't. And that is actually the coolest thing. <laughs> because if I said that I did, then there would be some limit. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Well, it sort of reflects back to that comment you were saying, you know, is, is, it's happening for you, not to you, right? Yeah. You know, it's um, happy to receive, happy to be. Yeah. And what's funny is, though, I'll, I'll, I will say this because I say this, you know, some of my people I do work with, I was like, but I'm good. I promise, universe. Like, I promise to keep growing. I don't need any other big shit to happen. Okay. Like, I'm good. Like, please. Even though, you know, I don't even want to say that, but you're like, even though I know I could do it, like I can get through it. Like, it'll be fine. I will grow. I, it, you know, it's maybe what I need, whatever. Like, but I'm like, I'm good. <laughs> Check. <laughs> can we just go to, you know, I'll just cruise, not cruise control. Like I promise I'll grow. I promise. But who knows? I can't predict the future, um, unfortunately. And, uh, and I think this is actually kind of cool to your point of like, do you even know what's possible for you? I look back and if you had said, you know, five years ago or 10 years ago or 15 years ago, this will be your life, Eileen. No way could I have even dreamed what I was doing or living. Like I, I could, I, no way. So, um, when someone says, Oh, what are you, where are you going to be in five years? Like, yeah, I have plans and I have things I'm working towards and intentions and like ideas, but I don't actually know. And that to me is fun and, and exciting. And like, who knows, but I have faith that it'll be, it'll be great. Even if it sucks, you know, <laughs> even if something bad happens. So yeah, I'll create it that way so and are you are you good at getting yourself or does it take somebody else to pull that out of you i've had a lot of practice doing that but yeah i'm yeah i'm i'm pretty good at doing that yeah i'm i'm good at doing that mm. what's what's your superpower out of interest you know I don't know. Superpower? I know. I have a, I have some friends who talk about that. I've been told or I've done, re, you know, I've done research or whatever. I actually, I do think that I am inspired. Like people are like, oh, it's so inspiring. <laughs> it's like one of those compliments that's like hard for me to hear. I'm like, yeah, that's so... <sighs> 
I'm like, I'm not that inspiring. If you really knew me, like you, you shouldn't be that inspired. You know, like that's where I go with that. But like, I, I am, people are like, wow, how did you, how do you do that? Like how I'm like, I don't really know. It's my superpower. <laughs> like I just am. That is just me, you know. It's like a fish trying to explain water, right? It's just, it just is, right? It just is. Hmm. It's difficult, I suppose. I mean, if you, I mean, you, you come across almost like as an unconscious competent. You just do it. It's like, yeah, it's, it's easy, right? Just, just do this or not. Not necessarily easy, but you just. <laughs> yeah. Like, put a back chat. We chat to ourselves. We try to do this, but actually, then we just get on and do it, right? We put on our big boy and big girl pants and life moves on. Right. You know? Yeah. Who's really inspiring to you? You, people like you are inspiring to me, people who are bold and, um, out there and sharing and creating, um, that's really inspiring for me. Um, people who have life circumstances that, um, and are resilient, that's very inspiring for me. Um, yeah, I think people who are willing to be out there and sharing and, um, that's very inspiring for me. Hmm. It's where I struggle, right? Yeah. Like, ah. <laughs> I don't want to, but if you can do it, I could do it. Like I can do that. That's how I feel. Like, I'm like, yeah. yeah. So. So tell me, I mean, is there going to be more books? Do you think is, is this now that you've one and done? <laughs> it's my only child. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I do think there'll be another book. Um, yeah, there's a couple of ideas, um, that I've had, you know, when I first, uh, went to write this book, I actually thought I was going to write a book about my late husband because he, his life story is cooler than mine. No, but his life story is super cool. Like, and it's very inspiring. And he, he's a, he came from a um, very small town in Canada, um, 1600 people. His parents were teachers. Um, and he, he revolutionized some things in this world. Like, and he actually was the, um, so before LinkedIn, before Facebook, before, you know, um, nine degrees or whatever, like he, like they they launched their social network in 1996 and sold it to amazon.com. Wow. And he, uh, worked at it. You know, he then was an employee of Amazon and brought them from book CDs and DVDs to, uh, the, he built their toy store, which is one of the first beyond that. And then he worked in the financial industry and, kind of predicted the market crash of 2007 and tried to like mitigate that in 2000 and 2001. And then he also, he did that. And then unfortunately nine 11 hit and then, um, spent his, the last, um, chunk of his career in solar energy. And the reason that solar 
um, exploded in the United States and a, a lot of places was the financial model that um, that he uh, and his business partners created with with the power purchase agreement. So like there's there's like those are his sort of like landmark um, sort of like he, amazing things, but you'd never know it. He would not like if he showed up, he'd be wearing Levi's and like white socks and sandals and, you know, throwing beer cans in a fire. And, um, he was super down to earth. And so my idea for this book is like, I want to share about like his contribution, but also he would not have been able to make that contribution if others hadn't contributed to him. So writing it from like, you know, we look at Brian and we're like, oh my gosh, 38 years old, what a tragedy. He made all this difference in the world, but there were also all these people along the way that enabled him and supported him in order for him to be his best self, for him to be able to be out there um, and and doing what he did. So that's the idea. And so write a, you know, write uh, his life story um, in a way that, that shows that both sides of that contribution, you know, uh, coin, um, who contributed to him and what he contributed to others and, um, uh, tell his story. So we'll see. It's, it's such a different and beautiful perspective to look past the actual event and saying, you know, it's, it's denial or, or almost to, to not see all the things that happened. And to focus only on the event is disrespectful. Is maybe a, a, it's not it's not the right word, but it's kind of going why well, you're missing so much by by sort of you know it, and God forbid it's when people have cancer or anything else, people just get locked up in in the, the, the final event as opposed to going yeah, but look at the celebration, look at everything that was achieved, and isn't, isn't it beautiful? The ripples that will be felt for for so much. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's, you just gave me chills because that is, that is why. And it's like, I think often, you know, like who knows if, how many people will listen to this or who will listen to this or like, or if this was just time for you and me, right? Like, <laughs> uh, or what this, what we're doing now, does it make any difference in the world? Like, well, we don't know, honestly, mm-hmm. right? Like, because there were people, and I think that's one, I, one of the things I want to reflect in this potentially new book, um, is like, you know, interactions that he had that enabled him and he saw things for himself and were able to do things that led him on a journey. And that person who made that difference on a conversation one time at an ice cream store or something, who knows, right? Who knows the ripple effect, um, that we're having, And on that point, I just want to share one thing about this weekend when I was working with these women, um, in, in downtown Chicago and just being present to like, like who knows their children, like maybe they're the next Brian Robertson or, you know, Malcolm X, or like, we don't know who we're raising, you know, and we don't know who who's raising the next leaders in our community. Um, but why not treat all people, right? Like, and all human beings, like they have, they all have that potential. Um, 
and nurturing it so that they can be their best selves, whether that best self is like public and famous or that quiet person who, who makes so much difference, but never gets any accolades or, you know, yeah. Anyway. And it's, uh, yeah, it's just celebrating who you are too. And just, as you say, we may not know the ripples that that are going on, but just being present alone is, is key, you know, and, and, you know, when we can just, just be, then it's, 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 you can achieve so much more than getting locked in the the past or the future or, you know, losing half your life when you can just say, no, I can, I can just be the best version of me. And that conversation, who knows, you know, I'm, I'm always fascinated. Like this show has just passed literally just last week, but past our two year anniversary, you know, and we've 35,000 odd downloads, you know, and, and it's, for long show format, it's beautiful. You know, it's great. And and just to have that listenership and people come up to me and saying that, that, you know, a certain episode changed my life. And it's like, one, who are you, you know, and two, it's like, that's amazing. I'm, I'm so delighted that it can do that. Right. I mean, yeah. what, what an absolute beautiful gift it's to, to be of service in that way. So. Yeah. You know, what's so cool too, that I want to just reflect on that is like, and this is joyful for you. Right. Mm. You know, like this is joyful for me and, uh, you know, hosting these like retreats for these women are joyful. And I had that same comment at the end of the weekend's retreat. And she's like, this was life-changing. And I was like, what? Amazing. And you just, you know, you're like, this is something that's so, I don't want to say like easy for me, right? That's my calling. That's my fire in the belly. That's what calls me and I find joy and it's easy for me to do that. And then that creates that you're like, Whoa. So I actually ask, I often tell people lean into that, that which you find easy, joyful and a contribution. <laughs> so, and it's not always easy. Right. But yeah. It's kind of like your Eki guy, right? Isn't it? You know, that Japanese process, you know, what are you, what are you passionate about? What are you good at? you know, what is there a need for and what can be well paid for? And you, you mix up those things and be present, right? Wow. What a service that is. It's beautiful, beautiful place to be. Yeah. So Eileen, tell us, I mean, what's, what's a guilty pleasure for you? <sighs> guilty pleasure. I don't know why coffee came to mind. I really love coffee. Um, what's what's would... your go-to in the coffee department? I am. I really like it strong. I I'm like a really strong um, latte girl. Like so, I, I like my whatever four shot eight ounce latte. So quad shot of espresso in an eight ounce cup. So that's a lot of espresso with a little bit of milk. Yeah. So that's kind of a guilty. I love it though. It's good. I don't always finish it. And sometimes I do. And today they made it with oat milk and it was gross, but, um, that's a guilty pleasure. I'm watching during the pandemic. I've definitely watched, um, more television than I ever did before. So yeah, I've gotten sucked in. I'm not watching anything right now, but there have been some, um, you know, series that I was like, yeah, guiltily laying on my couch, like binging and watching. So the morning show dope sick. I mean, there's been, there's been several, but yeah. yeah. Love it. I love it. 
So tell us, I mean, if you were to try and describe then your fire in your belly in one or two words, what would they be? One or two words. Um, contribution. And I would say love. Do people get you out of interest? Do you think people get you? Get me? Yeah. I think so. I wasn't by that. <laughs> I know. I was like, by that, do you mean that they get I okay, yeah, okay. So sometimes no, actually. Hmm. I think people sometimes are like, what? Um but I think they get me like in that, like they get what I'm offering, even if they don't get it, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's always interesting. Some people are like, yeah, no, <laughs> you've no idea what's going on behind, behind the, these eyes and the voices. And then what you see and what I hear and what you think and what I think <laughs> it's like, yeah, we're, we're, we're different places. Right. But it's just different you know some people's like yeah no you've some people get me some people don't and that's okay too right you know yeah i think that's probably accurate some people some people but i but i actually i do think actually philosophically i think people always get people it's not always clear you maybe not can't art, articulate it but like you know we are always putting out something hmm. whether we're conscious of it or not <laughs> And other people are always getting something from what we're putting out. And we're not necessarily, you know, like it's a, it's an exchange. Mm -hmm. So yes. Do people get me? Do they always get me? No. Anyway, that was, that was like a bit of philosophy in my world, but anyway. Okay. That's great. I mean, that's, it's that, but it is that intuitive thing, right? Like you say, you may not be able to put words around it, but words are perfectly imperfect anyway. So you know, it's like, why do we suddenly like certain people and certain people we, we just don't resonate with, right? doesn't matter. It's Yeah, we're getting something. We're getting something. And we're also getting something and we're filtering it from, from what, who we are in the moment, right? So if we're present, we might be getting something. If we're living in the past, we're going to get something. If we're worried about the future, we're going to get something. So like we're putting something out always and other people are also putting something out and it's that combination that's very interesting. <laughs> mm. Mm. Yeah. You get out or you get back what you put in too, right? You know, it's not being of service, being of contribution. Absolutely. Yeah. Eileen, tell us where can people reach out to you? Where can they find your book? Where can they get a hold of you? Learn more? Yeah. So um, my book is available everywhere books are sold. So although in, in Europe, I think you'd have to buy it online. Um, and, but it's also digital. So like there's a digital version. There's also an audio version, um, on Google, um, Google play. It, the pandemic was not nice for audible, um, uploads. So I'm still working through that process. It had, but it's, it's available. You can listen to it. You can find it where books are sold. Um, you may have to order it, but it's available everywhere. And then um, I'm on all the social media platforms except for TikTok. <laughs> I'm too old for TikTok. And I'm sure there's like many social media platforms because I'm old and my kids are probably like 
you know, whatever, mom, if you show up on TikTok, we have a problem, but I'm, um, but I'm on LinkedIn. I'm like, I'm of that, you know, like as a business background, I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram. Um, I'm, I, I'm a little bit on Twitter. I hope to be on Twitter more when I'm doing some live events with the book, but, um, yeah. And is there a final message you'd like to leave with our listeners today? Thank you for listening. And really, if you made it this far, thank you for listening. <laughs> and I want to just really thank you for this lovely conversation and um, the space that you're creating for people and um, for me to share. So I, I really do appreciate it. Wonderful. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. So until the next time and when the, the next book is launched, we'll uh, look forward to having you back. So thank you. Yeah. Until the next time. Yeah, thank you. Well, that was another great episode of Fire in the Belly. You know, this really wouldn't be possible without a great guest taking the time to share their personal journeys. And boy, boy, sometimes it is personal. It's an absolute pleasure to have that and then to hear the journeys that people have been on. We've loads more episodes coming up soon and it's always a pleasure to have guests on. If you do happen to know anyone with true fire in their belly, please reach out to us so we can share their journey, lessons and successes. So all that's left to say is have a great day, live with fire in your belly and be the mightiest version of you.